Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we desire to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, lead pastor Daryl Anderson continues his series titled Real with part four, Real Growth. Spiritual growth is not a destination, it is a journey. It is a result of our desire to be like Christ and to be used by Christ. This message helps us evaluate if we are experiencing real growth. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. Today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, where we continue our series entitled Real, where we're looking at real issues in the church of Corinth and making application. And this morning we're dealing with the topic of real growth. So let's see what Paul has to see has to say in chapter 3, verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready yet for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? In chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. What he's saying is you're not exemplifying the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Instead, you're worldly. That means pertaining to the world or pertaining to the flesh. Really what he's trying to communicate here is that you guys look more like the world than you look like Christ. He's really saying that there's no separation taking place. Those of you that are into football, you're familiar with the term of separation. The, the receiver's not getting any separation from the defender, so the quarterback can't get in the ball. They can't have a completion because there's no separation. In other words, this defender is just draped on this receiver like a blanket. This is the picture that he's painting here. It's, it's as if the world still has, is draped over you like a blanket. There's been no separation from the world. You're still worldly instead of spiritual, and it's not changing. He also says in verse 1 that you're mere infants in Christ. Now here, this can be used as positive or negative when he talks about infants in Scripture, but here it's a negative connotation. Really what he's saying is, you guys are extremely spiritually immature. He says you're not ready for solid food in verse 2. In verse 3, you're still worldly. In other words, he says, I don't see any growth. So when he looks at the Corinthian believers, he's saying, first, there's no separation. You guys are still more like the world than Christ, and there's no growth. You guys have been believers for a while now, and there's no spiritual growth. You look just like you did when you came to Christ. Now, we have to remember that Paul loves the Corinthians. This is a reprimand in Scripture to them. But the reprimand is not out of hatred, it's not out of anger, it's not out of condemnation, it's out of love for those believers. Because he understands what the world has to offer and he knows the consequences of pursuing the things of the world. He also knows what Christ has to offer and the rewards of pursuing Christ and following after Christ and it's out of love. He says, I want you to grow spiritually because I want you to receive the rewards of the spirit, not the consequences of living in the flesh. So basically what Paul's saying here is I'm not seeing any growth or at least no substantial growth, no normal growth is taking place. As I've mentioned on multiple occasions, I've got five grandkids. And fortunately for you, I'm not gonna put up any pictures. But it's been a joy to be able to watch them. And those of you that have kids and grandkids, you can understand too, I've, I remember them as babies before they could walk or do anything. They're just 
feeding on milk and they're just laying around, but then you begin to watch them grow. So I've got to see them go from sitting up to crawling, to walking, to eating or just having milk, to then eating baby food, to eating table food, to cooing, sometimes screaming, going to mumbling, to talking. Now we've got some that are reading. And so it's a joy to watch this physical growth take place in the grandkids. This is the feeling that Paul has when he's expressing this to the Corinthians. He loves the Corinthian believers as children, and he's saying it's such a joy to watch you grow, but he's saying, I'm not seeing it. I'm just not seeing any growth. Now, for me, this was an interesting passage of how we apply that to our setting because our setting is different. And if I were to write a letter to River Fellowship, I couldn't include this because we have many mature believers. We have many who are growing and spiritual. So I couldn't write this to this church. So how do we make application to this this morning? For me, it's the concept of real growth. Because the reality is, regardless of where you are spiritually, you can still grow. In fact, you should still be growing. We should always be progressing because if we're not progressing, we're regressing. If we ever get to the place where we're satisfied in our Christian walk, that's the point we become stagnant in our Christian walk. So that's the good news. If we can talk about how we're going to grow in real growth because wherever we are spiritually, we can grow. So that's where I want us to move forward as we talk about real growth. For some reason, when I, when I read this passage and started thinking about this, the image of a refrigerator just came to my head. I couldn't get it out. In fact, I took a, a picture of our refrigerator uh, uh, last week. And before it comes up, I just want to tell you that this really is our refrigerator at home. I didn't doctor the picture. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just opened the door and took a picture of the inside of our refrigerator. Here's what it looked like. There's nothing in it. There's some water. There's a little bit of ketchup, a little bit of mustard. We, we got in this habit where we kind of started eating out a lot, you know. And so we don't have anything in the refrigerator. So now my boys even make fun of us when we go in there. There's nothing in the refrigerator. I want to use this as an illustration. Now, not just a picture, but the actual refrigerator. As we walk through this. Uh, to make some application, we're going to talk a little bit about some hindrances to real growth, a, a key to real growth, and then we're going to finish out with some evidence of growth, how we can tell if we really are growing spiritually. So we're going to use a refrigerator as, as kind of an illustration, but we're going to use it in two different ways, so you're going to have to kind of shift in midstream. So for this first part, I want you to see the refrigerator as you, okay? This is you as the refrigerator, Let's start here with two hindrances to growth. The first hindrance to growth is no food. If I open this fridge, there's nothing in it. Here's a very basic principle. If you don't put anything in it, you can't get anything out of it. So when you're trying to, to grow, you're trying to get nourishment. If there's nothing in the refrigerator, you can't get anything out of it. There's no nourishment. This is the basic principle of hiding the word of God in my heart. The psalmist says, I hide the word in my heart. Why? So I would not sin against me. It's this concept of if, if you're going to grow spiritually, there has to be some element of nourishment in there that you're 
that you're using. And when the refrigerator is empty, when you need a word to tell with somebody, you don't have that word. When you need a word to deal with an issue going on in your life, you don't, you don't have that word because there's nothing in the refrigerator. When I was 28 years old, I had my first knee surgery. And after a few months, I had to go to rehab. Well, I would do my rehab first thing in the morning before I'd go to work or anything so I could just get it out of the way. Part of the rehab was uh, to ride a stationary bike. Well, at that age, I never really had any injury. Didn't have to rehab, but I didn't understand how nourishment and food and workout and all that stuff kind of jived together. So this one particular morning, I got up late, just jumped in the shower, didn't have time to eat or drink anything. So I just go to rehab with nothing, have eaten nothing. So I jump on the bike and they you know, hook you up to those heart monitors. I start doing my bicycling within like two minutes. The monitor's just going crazy. The heart rate's just going out the chart. So these guys just come running in and they think I'm having a heart attack, I think. So finally, that head therapist said, did you eat anything this morning? I said, no. Well, he, he took all this stuff and he's just ticked off. He's mad. He basically kicks me out and said, no more workout because you have to eat something and drink something if you're gonna rehab and grow back to health. It's a spiritual principle here. That's very basic that we tend to forget sometimes. The only way we grow spiritually is feeding ourselves. One of the hindrances is no food. But here's a second hindrance. It's what I'm going to call unhealthy food. Let's say I want to put some food in the fridge. <laughs> here's a Coke. That's good. A couple of candy bars. little ice cream. There, now I've got some stuff in my refrigerator. The only problem is all of this is unhealthy. It may have the appearance of nourishment. It may even provide some type of immediate relief or energy, but it's very short-lived because it's unhealthy food. Another hindrance to spiritual growth is that we are putting in ourselves unhealthy food. In other words, we're getting the source of our life unhealthy things from unhealthy places. In other words, sometimes our source is coming from the world, what the world says, what the world teaches. Sometimes it's coming from our flesh and what our flesh craves. Sometimes it's coming from false teaching, from false religion. Sometimes it's coming from some of the philosophies philosophies of the world like relativism or liberalism or narcissism or whatever. And we're, we're, we're feeding on all this stuff that the world and that our flesh are saying, hey, this needs to be a part of your life. But all we're really doing is eating bad food and putting unhealthy food in our system. Now, here's the spiritual principle. If my diet, if my spiritual diet is either bad nutrition or no nutrition, I'm not going to grow spiritually. We've heard that education saying children can't learn on when they're hungry. The same thing is true spiritually. But this leads me to this other element, and it's the key to growth. What is the key to growth? Well, obviously, if I'm going to use this illustration, it's healthy food. So now I have some water, a little banana, a little zucchini, a little tomato. Ugh, I touched one, sorry. Now the idea is different because now I'm putting healthy food into my system. The key to growth, it sounds so basic, but it's all about the right diet. It's all about eating the right thing. It's all about feeding on the word of God and yielding 
to the Holy Spirit. If we're going to grow spiritually, there's no way to grow spiritually without these two dynamics. It's to feed on the Word of God and to yield to the Holy Spirit. Remember, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says that God's called us into fellowship with himself. And the way we enter into that fellowship is we're connected to the word and we're connected to his spirit. Everything else we're bringing into our system is going to be a hindrance to that spiritual growth, but his word and his spirit is actually going to help us in our spiritual growth. Now, all that's kind of foundational, all that's kind of introduction. What I really want to deal with this morning are what I'm going to call evidence of spiritual growth. Because I think one of the questions, maybe we, maybe we ask ourselves, maybe we don't, but we probably should, is am I growing spiritually? Is my relationship with Christ getting deeper, more intimate? Am I actually becoming more mature and stronger in my walk, in, in my relationship? Kind of a checklist, kind of an evaluation point. So to do that, we've got to have some tools that we can go to and say, okay, how can I tell if I'm really growing spiritually? That's what I want to end with this morning. And we're going to use the refrigerator again, but now I want you to twist I want you to change the illustration. The refrigerator is no longer you. The refrigerator now represents your food source, where you're getting your food, what you're doing with the food that is inside of you. Okay? So here's the first evidence. The first evidence of real spiritual growth is I receive what I once rejected. I receive what I once rejected. For example, I now eat zucchini, but there was a long time, not, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, I wouldn't eat zucchini. I didn't like zucchini. My wife you know, tried to get me to eat healthy and do all that kind of stuff, so she finally convinced me and coerced me to start eating zucchini. I ate it a few times. Long story short, now I love zucchini. So what I once rejected, I now receive. There's a spiritual principle here that... I know I'm growing spiritually when I begin to receive what I once rejected. Some of those truths in Scripture that I'll reject. As you read the Word of God, we all understand that there are some difficult truths in Scripture. There are some uncomfortable <laughs> principles and truths and realities. There are some things that the Scripture says that we don't want to really buy into. It says, the, the Word says that it's like a, a double-edged sword that can penetrate even to the depths of our spirit. There are some things in Scripture that penetrate our heart that are difficult to understand. Because we don't want to listen to them, we just reject it. And we just say, well, it's not true. But there are also some things that the Spirit's trying to speak into us and cause us to do and to, and to mature that we reject. For example, the, the Spirit may be saying, hey, there's somebody here that I want you to go share Christ with. Maybe a work associate, maybe a neighbor, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, and the Spirit's been urging you to talk to that person about your relationship with Christ, and you're rejecting that. You're saying no. Maybe it has to do with leadership or teaching in the church setting, maybe the Spirit's saying, hey, it's time for you to begin to, to teach, and et cetera, and you're saying, no. It could be some other issues in your life. It could be about giving. It's time to start giving. No, there's some truths in the Word, and there's some things the Spirit has been talking to you about that you've been rejecting. But you know you're growing spiritually when you begin to receive those things that you used to reject. Now, in our text, this is the opposite of what's taking place with the Corinthian believers. In, verse, in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, I gave you 
milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready for it. In other words, some of these principles and truths that Paul's trying to communicate, they're still rejecting them and they will not receive them. There's a companion passage in Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11, that the writer says basically the same thing. He says, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Here, Paul says that these people are slow to learn. That just means dull. That means I don't have a desire. I don't have a commitment to, to even want to grow. He said, some of you have been believers long enough that you should have grown to the point where you're teaching, you're giving back, you're returning, but you're still not doing that. You're still on milk. In other words, you're still at a place where you are rejecting those things that you should be receiving. For example, a tomato. Now, most of you know I've talked about this before. I hate tomatoes. I'm not going to eat a tomato. I'm never going to eat a tomato, and you can't make me eat a tomato. I don't care if you tell me how good it looks, how great it tastes, how wonderful it feels. I'm not going to eat a tomato, period. Now, what's funny, if you were to smash it down, water it down, put a lot of sugar in it, I'll use it as ketchup and dip my french fries in it. But I'm not going to eat the tomato, which is another spiritual principle. There are many that, that are rejecting some truth that God's trying to communicate, but if you will water it down enough and sugarcoat it enough, then maybe I'll receive it. <laughs> but God doesn't do that. He wants you to receive the real truth. So what Paul is saying here in actuality is you guys, you Corinthian believers, you're treating me and my word and my spirit like tomatoes instead of zucchini. You're not growing they're not receiving anything. These things that you rejected when you were a baby, there's no growth and you're still rejecting. There, there's, no, there's no progress. Spiritual growth, one of the evidences of spiritual growth is we start to treat the word and the spirit more like I treat zucchini. Those things that I used to reject because they were too hard or they were too difficult or they things I just didn't want to do. I've grown and I've matured and now I realize it's in God's word, it's true, so I'm gonna receive those things and incorporate those things in my life. So, evaluation one, I receive what I once rejected. Here's the second evidence. I resist what I once relished. I resist what I once relished. I've shared this before back in the day too, there was a period of time when I, I just craved Cokes and candy. There was a time when I was, eating, was drinking three or four of the big old Cokes every day. And eating two or three candy bars every day. And I didn't care what anybody said. I, I liked it so much it didn't matter. But finally, I really began to realize how it was affecting my health. And so... I started to get off when I went to the doctor. All my numbers are up and my weight's gaining, et cetera, et cetera. So finally, I made a decision. I'm going to get off of Cokes and candy bars. Now, 
What was interesting is once I did that is the change that took place just physically, how it changed everything. But what was even more interesting is how it affected me physically. I'll tell you in a moment. But the idea here is that when I'm growing spiritually, those things that I once relished, I'm now getting the power to resist. We see the opposite with the Corinthian believers. In chapter five, we see a, a, a man who has a sexual relationship going on with his father's wife. And remember that part of the fabric of Corinth was promiscuity and sexual immorality. But it says in that deal, in, in chapter five, that this was such a depraved situation that even those pagans in Corinth thought they shouldn't be doing that. But this man still had this relationship. Why? I think it's probably because he was raised in Corinth. He was raised in this culture of sexual immorality. And so he loved that behavior. And so when he came into the church and into Christ, he still loved that behavior. So it, he didn't grow. It didn't mature. It didn't change. He didn't resist. He just continued to, to relish in that. And so it led him to sexual immorality. That's what's going on here. But spiritual growth is just the opposite. It means I become stronger in resisting some of that sin and some of that temptation that used to captivate me and grip me and hold me. But something interesting takes place. Something interesting that, that took place that caused me to, 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 to resist Cokes and Candy Bar is I began to love something more than that. And that was my health. <laughs> I began to value my physical health and my condition more. That was more important to me than a momentary satisfaction that I received from Cokes and candy bars. And that's what begins to happen as we grow spiritually. What takes place is some of those things that we relished, that we love, as we begin to grow spiritually, there's something else that shifts that we begin to love more than that momentary satisfaction that those sins provide. And that's Christ. That's a relationship with Christ. That's intimacy with Christ. That's fellowship with Christ. That's, 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 that's a desire for holiness. And that desire for holiness and to know Christ begins to overpower and overwhelm this, this, this love and this relishment that I have in whatever this sin and this, this dynamic that was part of my life. But in this dynamic, there's, there's something else that takes place that's interesting, and that's the concept of conviction. And this is a, this is a little side note. It, it applies, but I'm going to chase a little rabbit here just for a second. It's, it's the concept of, of conviction, because when we, when we are, are trying to resist that which we relish, part of the dynamic in that relationship is, is conviction. And conviction is simply God's Spirit coming to us, trying to get us to change. And here's the good thing about conviction, or here's the problem with conviction. I think many people think conviction is a negative word and a negative concept, maybe because of, of we don't want to be convicted of a crime. And so if there's a conviction, that means now there's punishment and imprisonment going to result from the conviction. Spiritual conviction is just the opposite. When we are convicted and respond to conviction, it's not imprisonment, it's freedom. It's being released, all right? So in conviction, that is simply God saying, 
I want fellowship with you. I want relationship with you. I want intimacy with you, but there's something in the way. There's something blocking that. And I want you to experience real life. I want you to experience the kind of life that I have for you, but there's something blocking that and you're not experiencing it. It's sin. You've been yielding to temptation. You've been relishing in sin like this guy in chapter five. And, and so this, this intimacy is being hindered. It's being blocked. And I want to remove that. So he brings conviction on us so that we will say, okay, I will get that out. And what causes us to respond to conviction is that as I mature, I now love that intimacy with Christ more than I love this momentary satisfaction that sin provides. And there's a shift that begins to take place. When I reject conviction, what I'm saying is I love my sin more than Christ. But when I respond to that conviction, I'm saying, no, I love my relationship with Christ more than than this, and I begin to respond. And it's a sign of spiritual growth. The great thing about being able to resist what I relished is God gives us the power to resist. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it tells us, there's no temptation that's overtaken you, but such that is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation will allow you to sustain it, to escape from it by enabling you to bear up underneath it. So he gives us the power to resist. But that's a growth pattern as well. Because let me tell you something I didn't include with my Cokes and candy bar. I left the ice cream in the fridge. <laughs> and we all know why. Because when it comes to ice cream, it doesn't matter if it's Rocky Road, doesn't matter if it's cookies and cream, doesn't matter if it's chocolate. If it has the words ice cream after it, I'm in. I have zero resistance when it comes to ice cream. If, if I get my hands on it, if it's in my fridge, if it's in my house, if it's in the shopping, if it's anywhere around me, I'm going to eat it. I have no resistance to ice cream yet. I've not grown to the point yet <laughs> where I can resist ice cream. But there's a spiritual principle here as well. Because even though we grow spiritually, there are still some things in our lives that we still may not be able to resist well yet. We're growing, and there are other areas in our life that, that we are now, and some things that we really relish. God's doing a work, and we're maturing, and, and, and we've overcome those things now. But there may be some other things that, man, I, I just hadn't got victory over this yet. There's nothing wrong with that because we're in a growth pattern, okay? But what that means is for me not to eat ice cream it can't be anywhere near me. And there are some things in our lives that may captivate us that if we are exposed to those things, if we go to those places, we're gonna fall because we have not developed the resistance to that yet. So the only way I can resist is just stay away. There comes some practical decisions that we have to make at times to say, because I want to resist this lifestyle or this habit or whatever the situation is, I, I have to remove myself from the temptation because I know if I expose myself to the temptation, I'm not going to resist it. I'm just not there yet. There's a great uh, little short story by Portia Nelson. It's entitled Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. 
that talks about this concept. Let me read it for you. Chapter one. I walk down the street. Try to visualize this. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault, and I get out immediately. Chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down another street. Sometimes to resist, we need to walk down another street. Here's the third evidence. The first evidence of spiritual growth is I receive what I once rejected. The second one is I resist what I once relished. And here's the third evidence. I realize, excuse me, I release what I once retained. I release what I once retained. I let go of those things that I used to hold on to. Again, the believers in Corinth aren't doing this. In chapter 6, we see lawsuits taking place where believers in the church are, are suing one another. And the reason they're doing that is because they cannot release the offense. They can't let go of an offense. We see in chapters 1 and chapter 3 where there's divisions in the, in the body at Corinth. And it's because of pride and jealousy. And we'll talk more about that concept, I think, in a couple of weeks. But, but they, can't, they, they just can't release that stuff. And a sign of spiritual growth is when I begin to be able to release those things that I once retained. It might be an offense. Maybe someone's hurt you. Someone's offended you. Someone has done something to you that really was wrong. And you've held on to that offense. Spiritual growth says, I'm going to let it go. Maybe it's shame or guilt Stuff that you've done and you know it's been wrong. And even though you've probably confessed it, you're still hanging on to the shame and the guilt. Spiritual maturity says I've confessed it, so now I'm going to release it. I'm going to let it go. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's envy. Some other detrimental emotion. But you're, you're hanging on to spiritual maturity and evidence of that says, you know what? I'm going to let it go. And the cool thing about letting that stuff go is when you set it free, it sets you free. So spiritual growth is evidenced with my ability to let go of things sooner. So let me ask you as we close up this morning. Are you experiencing real growth in your relationship with Christ? Regardless of where you are today, are you in a growth mode? Are you receiving truth and the Spirit's touch when once you rejected it? Are you resisting 
those sins and temptations that you once relished in? Are you releasing those damaging aspects when once you held on to them? My prayer is all of us will continue to grow in our fellowship and relationship with Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Thanks for listening. We truly hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org.